Yesterday was the first Saturday in several weeks that I was afforded the luxury to sleep in just a little bit later. That luxury was actually afforded by all the rain that we had gotten because my son's baseball games were canceled that morning. I mean, the last several weeks, I've been, uh, we've been out uh, right away early in the morning, 8.15, with baseball. I'm actually coaching my son's baseball team, and I'm not complaining at all because I love it. It's a lot of fun. I enjoy working with the kids and teaching them about baseball. But I've come and I've learned, discovered something since moving down here to Texas, moving to Siena. You probably know this already, but there is some serious baseball that goes on around here. And you know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's like, there are different levels of leagues around here. There's, some of the leagues are, are really intense, right? And, and they, like, the traveling teams, uh, there's multiple practices during the weeks, tournaments on the weekends, and all these parents that are working to, to hone and define the, the natural talent that has been imbued in their children, and they're all like outfitted like professionals at five and six years old. Yeah, my son's not in that league. <laughs> He's in a different league. We found a, a different league. It's not quite as serious, not quite as intense. It has a little bit more of the focus on the fundamentals and fun and getting the kids out there, just getting them exposed to the game of baseball. It's about sportsmanship and those kinds of values. It's a little bit more relaxed. It emphasizes those things a little bit more so than the competitiveness that can be there. And I think both are good. There's nothing wrong with it. The, the league that my son's in, you know, no trials, no cuts. Everyone makes a team. Everyone plays. It doesn't take maybe as much time and investment and money and clinics and coaching. And there's difference there. And I want you to think about that, and as you think about the fact that you have been saved to serve, you have been called for a purpose, and really you have been recruited onto God's team, which kind of league do you feel you belong in? And especially when it comes to the calling that God has given you to serve as a witness for Christ, to serve as you proclaim the gospel message. As you think about that calling, which kind of league do you think you're cut out for? Which one would best suit you? Because sometimes I think that as Christians, we recognize, yes, we, we have this calling from God to, to be his witnesses, to testify to what Jesus has done for us. And I think sometimes we feel like we need the right equipment and the right gear and the right training and, and hours and hours and hours upon coaching to really hone and define any natural talent that we have. And if we don't really have that natural talent, that charisma, that ability to talk to people, then really maybe that's not for us. Maybe we wouldn't really make the team. Maybe we would be more of a weakness than an asset. And as we think today, even as I think about, right, the, the kids that I coach, even in a, maybe a more a recreational league, I, 
I think about them, I still want them to, to swing the bat hard. I want them to hit the ball far. I still want them to throw hard and with accuracy. I want them to learn all those things. And I don't know that I would ever say to any of them that it's okay if, if you're weak. But that's exactly what God says to you today. God says to you, He says, it's okay if you are weak. It's okay if you sense and you feel and you know your own weaknesses because that will highlight God's power. Last week we declared the true glory of God that is made known in Jesus Christ, our Savior. It is made known as we see that Jesus has redeemed us. He has freed us from the condemnation that God's divine, holy, just law would have brought down on our hearts for our sins and our failures. And we rejoice in that freedom. We, we rejoice in this message of grace from our God. That He has placed all of our sin, all of our guilt on Jesus. He took it to the cross. There He died. He has risen from the grave. And He gives us the promise that we too will rise to be with Him forever. And it really does display the glory of God, the glory that is found in our God in His remarkable and incredible grace. It is this beautiful, just glorious picture of our God and what He has done for us. But many people don't see that. Paul shared this stark truth when he said, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Last week in our Bible study after worship, we were talking about glorious things that we have seen in our lives. And so people talked about, you know, standing on the top of a mountain and, and looking down on the incredible landscape below them, the valleys below. And people talked about being at the Grand Canyon, seeing that impressive display of nature, or, or being somewhere where the, the sky just explodes in those deep purples and the vibrant pinks and oranges as, as the sun sets over just a calm, pristine lake. Glorious images of nature. Now, can you imagine if you're, you're standing there with a friend of yours and you look out at something like that and you say, man, isn't that, isn't that just beautiful? And your buddy next to you says, eh, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. And yet that happens all the time with God's grace. People have been blinded to the glory of God. They've been blinded by all kinds of things that this world throws at us. And we've been, sometimes we become convinced that something else is our God. We've become convinced that there is something else more glorious, more beautiful than our God of all grace and His message of redeeming, forgiving, pardoning love. And so we look to those other things to be our gods, to be our glory. 
And you and I, we, we know because we've done it too, right? Success, worldly wealth, professionalism, charisma, this perceived fulfillment in life, and all kinds of different things that we might make our God instead of the Lord. And it blinds us. And it blinds many people out there. We can give thanks to rejoice that maybe we, we have come to faith. We see the glory of God, but there are so many people who need to see that again, to grasp it. They need to hear the gospel message of Jesus. And you have the ability and the opportunity to help them see it. You have this incredible mission opportunity to speak God's glorious truth. But you may not. Because you may be blind too. You may be blind to the power that God has placed within you. You may be blind to the light of the gospel that he has given you to shine. The God of this age, he can blind us too. As we consider how we have been saved to serve, one of the greatest ways that we can serve, the one of the greatest ways you can serve your community, your friends, your family, is to share that gospel message. To speak to his truth. And maybe you've been there. Have you been in that, that conversation or that relationship where it almost feels like the ball is coming just right down the middle of the plate? Maybe it's even sitting on a tee for you, but you just don't swing. You just don't speak the message of Jesus. And what causes you not to? What causes you not to speak more often, more quickly, more eagerly with this amazing, glorious message of what God has done for us? What causes you to check up and hold yourself? Not swing. And maybe you think, well, I'm not a professional. I, I don't have the, the training or, or the coaching that I need. I don't have the, the deep biblical knowledge that, that's needed here. I, I haven't been trained in apologetic reasoning. I'm, I'm not a gifted speaker. I don't have that charisma. I, I'm not really relational with people. And so I don't have the skills that are needed. I'm, I'm weak here. But do you know what God would say to all of your perceptions of weakness? I don't know if this is exactly what he would say, but I think he might say something like this. So what? Who cares? And then he would go on to tell you exactly where the power to change a heart and to change a life really lies. And through his servant Paul, God does exactly that. He did that when he said, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts 
to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. See, there is a powerful, miraculous event that takes place when the heart and life of an unbeliever is filled with God's grace. It is a miraculous event that relies on his power. And Paul, really, he takes us back to the the very beginning of the Bible, right? He takes us back to creation and God's power that was at work there and the display of it there. And you remember how that was described? Go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 said this, Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There was no life, no light, really no hope. There was just darkness and and void and, and bare. And it's really a true and accurate description of the human heart apart from and without Christ. A human heart apart from the grace of God, it is filled with darkness. It is void and it is bare. And without the interceding of God's voice and God's spirit, it would remain that way. But then God speaks His grace And like a lightning bolt, that grace and that love of God flashes in the heart. But unlike a lightning bolt, it doesn't just go away. It doesn't dissipate that light. It, It grows brighter and stronger and it fills that entire space with the grace of God. It's His miraculous power. The Holy Spirit works through that Word of God so that we can see the true glory of God. And, and again, we rejoice this has happened in our own lives. But we recognize that happens through the power of God. It happens through His all-surpassing, miraculous power. And since it's God's power, God tells you that it's okay if you're weak. It's okay if, if maybe you struggle a little bit when you want to speak of God's grace. It's okay if you haven't had all the coaching and the training that, that maybe you feel you want, or it's okay if you don't feel like a professional. If you're not charismatic or confident or, or polished in your presentations of the gospel, it's okay. Because the more that that shows up, the more your weakness shows up, the more God's all-surpassing power will be highlighted. And that's a joyful truth that I want you to carry home with you today. It's going to place God's power front and center for you and for the people that you reach, that it is all about God's miraculous, almighty power, not how well you swing the bat. The Apostle Paul used a different illustration. It's probably a better illustration. The Apostle Paul said this, he said, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So God promises that this all-surpassing power, it is in you, it is yours, 
No matter how chipped or broken or cracked or brown or dirty or earthen or humble you feel. Jars of clay. Archaeologists, they're always digging up clay pots and pieces of clay pots and pottery from the first century. And some of them, they're ornate and they're beautiful. But most of them are very common, very ordinary. And yet, Paul says that in jars of clay that are common and ordinary, we have this treasure. This treasure of the gospel. This treasure of God's all-surpassing power that is at work through that gospel message. The message of Jesus. And that message, it is a treasure, right? It is precious and it is valuable and it is powerful. And so no matter how common or ordinary you feel, God's almighty power is at work through you. And as you recognize that almighty power of God and the remarkable treasure that you have in the gospel, it'll give you confidence to speak, just as it did Paul. In verse 5, he said this, he said, For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now there is a temptation for us to preach ourselves. And that can happen either with self-pride or self-consciousness. But both of them are a curse. And we can we can preach ourselves when when we talk when we think that we have it all together when we are prepared we're ready we feel like it's all about our charisma and our ability to proclaim the gospel or when we have doubts because either way the focus is on us and not on God and his power and so whether it's self-pride or self-consciousness they can both be a curse but we don't preach ourselves we preach Christ Jesus We preach Christ Jesus as Lord. And so that power of God, the miraculous power of God, it is present when we preach Christ Jesus as Lord. His death, His resurrection is the foundation that gives us a hope that does not disappoint. A hope that grants peace. Our confidence is not in our charisma or our professionalism or our coaching or our training, it's in the power of God. And he certainly gives us those things as blessings, right? Tools, he gives us all different gifts and abilities that he wants us to use to the best of our abilities. And he can work through that coaching and, and training and apologetic reasoning and, and different ways to present the gospel. All of that can be good and it can be helpful and it can benefit us, but we don't rely on that. We rely on God's all-surpassing power. And then we speak the simple truth of the gospel. But what we can do is preach ourselves as servants. As we've been called, saved to serve, then, then that's what we do. We serve others. 
We set ourselves up to be able to proclaim the gospel. And as I was thinking about this, how do we, how do we preach ourselves as servants to others? I think there's three ways that we can do this. Presence, care, and ease. And presence. Be present. Show up when people are in need, when they need a friend. Show up and be there when they are in a difficult, troubling circumstance. Show up in their joys and celebrate with them. But be present. Make the sacrifices and the cuts to your schedule that will allow you to be there for others. And care. Make the meal. Give the gift card. Take them out for lunch. Buy the coffee. Write a note. Send a text. Pick up the phone. Just care enough to do it. And then ease, make it easy for them. Make it easy for them to ask questions, to explore, to to wonder about things, to wonder about your faith. Make it known to them that, that you won't jump all over them with judgment if they say something with which you disagree. No, withhold that judgment. Listen first, speak second, and then when you speak, Speak with love. I think as you do that, as you preach yourself a servant, those things that take sacrifice, it takes commitment, it takes hard work and effort, but we do it for the sake of Christ. And when we do it, I'm confident that there will be people who are ready and eager to hear you proclaim the message. Speak your faith. As you build trust, build connections, build a relationship, then speak your faith. Just as Paul wrote towards the end of our section, he said, it is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. We speak so that God's grace may reach many, many more, and that thanksgiving may overflow to the glory of God. As we've been called together as a church, as you've been called to know the glory of God in Christ Jesus, your Savior, you have been recruited to God's team, and it is a talented team. And even if it wasn't, Even if we didn't have any talent, even if we were weak as weak can be, so what? Because it's all about God's all-surpassing power that is at work. Our mission as a church is to change lives with Jesus. Not with our charisma or our professionalism, Our seven steps to success, but with Jesus. We change lives with Jesus. And knowing that the all-surpassing power is from God, that gives us the ability to, are you ready for this? Really cheesy. Step up to the plate and swing for the fences. Because it's not about our power but about God's power to change hearts and lives. 
We change lives when in our weakness, God's all-surpassing power is at work and is made clear. And all God's people said, Amen. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.